just uh, for this app. It's uh, good to, uh, buddy. Which may which mic do we like best? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it says Debbie. Does it say Debbie? Extra extra mic. Extra mic. Extra mic. Extra mic. The one that says Debbie. Uh, Becca. Um, Debbie's mic. The one that said Debbie had a, was an older mic. And I mean, the one yeah. that. You know we can solve this issue. Everybody just move up closer here. I promise not to spit. You know that part. You know, no, kidding. I know what it is. Isn't it amazing how you get comfortable in one place in a church and just sitting there and you're used to looking. You ever tried that? Move to a different side of the church and it feels weird. It's like your neck is twisted or something like that, like you're you're doing something wrong. And, uh, we really do get comfortable with, okay, well, this is just the, the angle I always look at and where I'm always at here and all. So. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this one, I guess. All right. Extra mic. Can everybody hear him okay? And I can yeah. hear it on Facebook, so it's working. Okay, great. Well, we're going live on Facebook. You're on Facebook. All right. <laughs> no one should be on Facebook any more than they have to. That's uh, probably a, a good principle there. But, uh, uh, hey, Becca. Great job. It's scary to step up here Amen. and do something like that. Yeah. But great job. Uh, so we're on Facebook. Well, I'll tell Pastor Denny and uh, Jared are probably listening. Uh, uh, man, they may get replaced here. Becca, uh, great job. I, I, I did. I thought I enjoyed the worship anyway. I did too. Yes. You know, uh, as I always tell people whenever I pastor, if you didn't like something, just keep it to yourself. Otherwise, you'll be next week's sermon illustration. If, uh, you know, you know, much. I had a guy who we used to do a lot of missions offerings and uh, had a lot of missionaries in. We supported seventy-two missionaries, and and we were always having missionaries in and taking love offerings. And I had a guy who said to me, he said, "I, I just don't. I don't know what's wrong. This church it says it seems like you take a special offering three out of every four Sundays. Doesn't that bother you?" I said, "Yeah, it does." Why did I miss that fourth Sunday? <laughs> I said, uh, and uh, I said, if you don't want to give, just don't give. <laughs> but I says, don't be an idiot about it, <laughs> or uh, uh, we'll we'll put you in next week's sermon. But, you know, because I'm just like, you know, you, you can't outgive God, and I, I believe in right. missions, and uh, I know you've got a, a missionary who's going to be here next week, and uh, I encourage you. And I, I don't know who it is. Uh, does anybody know who it is? No. So okay. Pastor Denny said they already had a missionary scheduled, and so that'll be great. Uh, but I hope you have a heart towards missions. Uh, just tell you a, a little story here, just as a side note, and nothing to do with my sermon. But uh, as I told you, I was raised on a farm in Central Missouri before we they closed our school. We had to move in town. We kept the farm. But uh, in 1973, my dad resigned from uh, the truck line uh, where he had uh, uh, driven trucks for. Uh, H&S Freight Lines are in Eldon, Missouri, and he also, he would uh, go nights, uh, often to uh, Kansas City up here, sometimes St. Louis, Chicago, and he just worked all the time. And so uh, my dad uh, fell asleep in church one Sunday, and uh, the pastor kind of embarrassed him uh, about falling asleep, and my dad felt guilty, like it was terrible he'd done it. Well, you know what, if you work a lot, whenever you sit down, it's not surprising you go to sleep. 
I mean, this isn't. Somebody was saying they were uh, feeling like they were ready to go to sleep this morning. He says, but I won't. I said, hey, if that's the rest you get in the Lord today, it's not going to bother me a bit. And uh, when my dad uh, uh, was, I, I was, yeah, 73, uh, he resigned, I think it was like March or April, somewhere in there. And we, uh, uh, there's a, a guy in by the name of Warner Miles who was uh, building churches in the Philippines. And he was preaching that Sunday at our church. And that's the first Sunday my dad had gone back to church in years. Because again, if he sat down, he'd fall asleep. But now he's retired, he went, went back to church with us. And uh, that guy uh, said that for $2,500, your church can build a church in the Philippines. And so the church took up an offering for it, and uh, the church raised uh, that money. And on Monday night, my dad, we were sitting down for dinner, and as I told you last, or three weeks ago, however how long it's been since I've been here, uh, that we have a, a, had a large family, 15 kids in my family, as we're sitting there. Uh, my dad says to us that night, I was uh, 16 years old, he said, I went down to the bank today, and I borrowed $2,500, because I thought, we ought to build a church as a family. <laughs> They're in the Philippines. I felt like God just spoke to me about that. And man, I was so upset. And I chewed my dad out. I was in charge of my youth group at that time at age 16. And uh, I just chastised him <laughs> side down the other because you're the stupidest uh, in the world. How would you, why would you think God wants you to do that? I mean, I'm 16. You know what I wanted? I wanted money for a car. <laughs> and not, we were poor. I mean, anything. And so, I, I, uh, my dad basically walked away from the table with his tail between his legs because I was just, I was unmerciful. I mean, I look back and I remember that. And, you know, typical of a mouthy teenager, I was just upset. <laughs> Whenever uh, our sows began having pigs, instead of having litters of 12, 13, 14, we were having uh, litters in the 20s. And we had pigs running all over the farm, just 120 acres down there. I mean, it was, it was just pig central. It was crazy at that time. And we're trying to feed them and everything. And uh, whenever it came time to uh, sell, there in the fall, six months later, uh, the stock market, if anybody was in farm or anything back then, there was had a unique uh, thing that happened there in uh, 73 that uh, uh, hog prices went from where they had been at, typically in the $20 range per hundred, uh, to almost $70 a hundred. Wow. And uh, uh, we cleaned up. Uh, you know, we weren't upper class. Well, we were getting closer to the middle class, uh, dad paid for the farm. Uh, he uh, internationally paid off the loan. You know, that was back whenever you could, you had the integrity, you could just walk in and get a signature loan on six months for our money. And, uh, you know, he, he gave, uh, you know, us his money there to help with buying a car and different things. I mean, it was just, it was an amazing time how God blessed us. And it, it continued to happen that whenever we sold our hogs over the years to come, Every time we sold, we hit the market. I mean, we did well. We got so, as a testimony, everybody around, all the other farmers, started to breed their hogs at the same time Dad did because they recognized that something was going on. And then years later, I guess at uh, about 1992, something like that, uh, there was, uh, my dad was having a series of strokes and, uh, and different things. And there was, uh, the state of Missouri would send in uh, care workers to take care of him. And there's this one care worker that was there almost all the time named Tomas. And uh, I was down there visiting one time, and uh, they had said something about that I pastored uh, an assembly got church here in Oldland Park. And uh, this Tomas kid, he's like, I went to an assembly got church. He says, 
Matter of fact, he says, that's where our family got saved at. He says, we were in this out village, and says, this guy, Warner Miles, came in and built a church there in our village. And that's where he got saved. And I told people, I won't tell you that God, that that's the church that my dad paid for, but I will tell you that whenever you put God first, God always blesses you. Always does. And I, you know, people used to say, why do you have such a heart for missions? I said, missions is the heartbeat of God. I just believe God wants to always be reaching out. I, you know, times even as God were blessed, sometimes people were talking about, oh man, what would it be if we could build a new sanctuary and a new fan-shaped sanctuary? I said, it's not going to hold many more people than what our sanctuary is now. We have a typical long shotgun sanctuary. I mean, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine rows here. Uh, we went 24 rows back. I mean, it was uh, just a straight back thing. You know, it, it was a typical 40 by 80 church building over park was, and then we just kept adding on. And the only real direction you can go is to keep going back. And, uh, you know, everybody would be like, oh, you know, we'd build educational wings, we'd build youth wings, children, things we were going to use. But I said, why am I going to spend all that money? Probably been $2 million at that time in the, the 2000s. I said, why would we spend that kind of money for something we're only going to use for about an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning? I said, we can have multiple services. And, you know, bother me, you can pick when you want to come, you know, for a second. And then we started, uh, uh, you know, uh, my heart was for missions. We started reaching out to uh, other uh, uh, international groups that were coming into the area there. And we had a a young associate, uh, Mike Warchark. Mike was just a, a great young man. He just had a heart. Uh, I used to give him a hard time. I, you know, people say, do you speak all these languages? Because he would just uh, invite people to church, went to the Lord. And I'm like, uh, Mike isn't real great with English yet, I don't think, let alone think of another language. But he, he just had a heart to reach these people. And uh, we started a, an a Ethiopian church, a Chinese church, a Spanish church, a Brazilian church. On Sunday mornings, I mean, whenever we, one room would get empty, some other church would take it. It went all day. We had two services in the morning. Uh, they would go all continue after that. We could come back and do the evening, and then the Brazilians would be like 7.30. And we used to joke that we didn't need ushers. We needed traffic cops. I mean, just to, uh, you know, try to get everybody in and out and different things. But uh, I want to encourage you, man, always be looking out. Missions. It is the heartbeat of God. And uh, say, I don't know who can have next week, but uh, I believe that's right. So next week, then he told me that there was already a missionary that was, uh, was scheduled. But uh, be there. And then uh, do the best you can and to bless their ministry. And then also, uh, more than just give, pray for them. Amen. Pray. And on. So, so let's do that uh, even right now. Let's just uh, let's pray as we begin this service today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for just what you've done in all of our lives. Lord, everybody here has knows your story of what you've done in their lives and their story, Lord, of what you've accomplished in and through them. And Lord, that's all we are, is just those stories. And we've watched your faithfulness in the past, and so we know you're going to continue to bless out in the future. Lord, I, I don't know who's going to be here next week, but I ask that you would bless them and bless through them to as they speak to the congregation and bless uh, through them in whatever area you've called them to minister in. Lord, uh, I just ask for a great blessing on their lives. Lord, I pray for Pastor Denny and Pat. Lord, uh, Bless them as uh, they're on this sabbatical, Lord, I think uh, 19 years and really haven't ever uh, taken a break. I, I know it's hard for this church and how much he loves the people and cares for them. And we just pray that you just pour blessing into their lives. Just a great time of refreshment and renewal. And uh, Lord, just uh, for what you have for their life, what you have for this church. And, and Lord, all that you're going to do, Lord, in uh, 
in, in ministry here and, and people who we reached out to and, and Lord, uh, look around. I don't know where all you're going to uh, uh, draw people from, what you're going to do, but Lord, I know you love your church. And Lord, missions isn't just something for a missionary that comes in from overseas. Missions is what happens right here. And the opportunities yeah. outreach and the opportunities to minister. Yeah. So continue to bless Calvary Assembly. Lord, bless those many who are gone today. Lord, give them a time of refreshing over this four or five day weekend that they're going to have and going to have a chance to get away. Bless the time with their families. Just encourage them. Uh, build them up. Uh, renew them. And uh, just uh, continue to bless. Lord, this is uh, your church. And Lord, as uh, Michael was singing that last song, I thought, Lord, uh, we're not looking at her as she's leading us to worship. We're really looking right through her to you and saying, Lord, holy, holy, holy are you. Lord, we've come to worship you. We've come to hear from your word. We really ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes today to really see you. Open our ears, Lord. They wouldn't hear the words I share, but they would hear you. And Lord, we pray for our country, our nation today, on this weekend celebration of the 4th of July. Lord, just uh, have a great uh, blessing upon our nation. I thank you, as we were talking about missions, I thank you that uh, the United States has been the greatest sending nation ever for what it's done in sending missions and the gospel around the world. Continue to bless our missionaries everywhere. Lord, we ask all this in your name. Amen. 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 This morning I want to speak to you from Romans chapter 8 and begin in verse 1 there. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing this after uh, Romans 7, and I'll give you a little more background on it here in a little bit, but uh, after he's been talking about how he struggles, uh, the good that he should do, he doesn't do, the evil that he shouldn't do, he ends up doing, he says, man, what a horrible guy I am. Okay, this is a guy that wrote two-thirds, seems like, of the, of the New Testament. But he was honest and and realize, and if you ever do that, look in the mirror, you know who you really are. And the incredible thing is that God still loves us. And I want to talk to us today about what it is, freedom, and what, what the freedom we have in Christ. And yet also to challenge us that freedom is never free. It always costs something. But in Romans 8, verse 1, Paul writes, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit. See, that was a summary. I mean, there's this statement there in 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Think about it. You look at the first seven chapters of Romans. Paul's been laying out a case for what Christ has done in lives and who we really are. And that we're all uh, sinners saved by grace. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The struggle that he has, just like all of us, what we should do, we don't do sometimes. And what we shouldn't do, we end up doing who can save me from this horrible person that I am? Ask. And then he makes that statement, and everything transitions there in Romans 8 1 into then what it is to really live a life in the Spirit. He says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let that sink in. 
Anybody else ever struggle with the times that you failed Christ, the mistakes you've made, different things? See, I hang on to this verse. It doesn't mean that Phil Kreiling has done everything right. It doesn't mean that Phil Kreiling is better than the average or uh, I've taken one of those tests and I fall into a certain percentile. That's not the way it works. None of us are worthy of ever standing before his throne. None of us are ever worthy to sing to him, holy, holy, holy. He knows he's holy. We recognize it too. The only reason we stand in his presence is because of what he's done for us. So I don't care what Satan's whispered in your ear or what he said to you. Our hope is in Christ alone. And maybe somebody here needs to have that just sink in today. Realize that maybe it's somebody who's watching. Our hope is in Christ alone. I want to talk for a minute about uh, what we have the privilege of living in America. I want you to know, before you, I'm a proud American. I love America. I still think it's the greatest country in the world. Amen. Everybody who doesn't like it, I wish we'd just leave. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, <laughs> there's flights leaving all the time or different things. Take them. They go to everybody. Uh, you know, if it's the most horrible place, why does everybody want to come here? I mean, they're not here to try to redeem it. Why do they want to come here? It is a great... God has poured out his blessing upon uh, this country. So I, I'm going to read to you a little bit. Anybody else like history besides, besides me? I love history. I love... Because we learn from history. And see how God has worked. And God was even at work in America. And uh, really the foundation of America was on that for religious freedom, why people came here. And uh, I want to read this here to you, uh, a little story by uh, a guy named H.T. Rose. But it's 55 men signed a document written by Thomas Jefferson. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve a political bond which they have committed with another and to assume among the powers of the earth a separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's uh, God entitles them, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That document is the Declaration of Independence, signed on July 4th, 1776. And, uh, and our kids are in Philadelphia, uh, live just really probably about a half mile north of Independence Square, and it's been great to kind of get to see that area, and, and all the buildings are there, small buildings, I mean, uh, you know, sometimes I look at it and think, man, they got 55 people in here. <laughs> It'd be a lot smaller than a lot of us are today. Uh, it's a, uh, I used to in our church say they had to rate it. They said uh, we hold 10 people on every pew, and I'm thinking, I don't know. That's about 15 inch rear ends, and I don't know if I've seen any of those for a long time. I, 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 I may have been back in the 50s or something. Uh, I think it would have been stretching it uh, back then. But in declaring their freedom. Uh, from the oppressive rule of England in the time since that time to defend this freedom 1.3 million plus men and women have given their lives in service to this country if you go look at statistics so the largest and it's a conservative number of the Civil War was around 620,000 Americans lost their life in that uh, battle that was there and next was World War II I think with around uh, 400 and then World War I uh, if you go look at these you can Google them and see. But uh, this is perhaps best expressed in a, a tribute called The Price of Freedom concerning those who fought 
in distant lands defending our freedom. Some were ready and prepared, others were so young and so naive. Some of them chose to serve our country, others had no choice, they were called to serve. As they hugged and kissed their loved ones, by, Their hearts were heavy and tears filled in their eyes. Not knowing if they would be coming back home or if they would die, it was all so unknown. As they prepared to fight for our freedom, we prayed to God for their safety. They all left their loved ones and their lives that they had known. They departed to an unfamiliar land, risking their lives and making so many sacrifices, being away from their family and friends, giving up what most can't even comprehend. The honor, the horrors, and atrocities that our veterans faced and endured, you may not ever know or totally understand. They protected our rights, our freedom, and the rights of others, so that we could have and enjoy the freedom in our land. Some came home to a hero's welcome, others didn't come home at all. They made the ultimate sacrifice. Some came home and were disgracefully shunned. Others have been so shamefully forgotten. All our veterans served our country with great pride and true honor. There is a price for freedom, which they all so graciously paid. They all greatly deserve to be remembered and honored. After all, they are truly American heroes. I wonder, is there those in here that served in the military? What branches? Navy. Navy. Army. Army. Air Force. Air Force. Anybody in the Marines? <laughs> Nobody good. I can tell the story then. Yeah. What's your hand again? Well, I don't have enough. I'm sorry. We'll have to get the one more. I've got more at home. My husband is a veteran as well. Our, uh, our kids, everyone, go to YouTube or Google it, Our, our Community Salutes. Uh, a few years back, uh, there's a group of uh, veterans who realize that we honor all the graduates and they recognize athletes that are signing uh, onto a, uh, uh, athletic scholarships at universities and those who are going who get scholarships go to universities. But the young men and women who were uh, uh, enlisting to serve right out of high school were basically forgotten. Nobody thought about them or cared about them. And uh, this group of veterans got together and started a thing called Our Community Salutes, where they started having graduation ceremonies for these young men and women to celebrate. There's about 150,000 that uh, enlist every year. And in the midst of that, I started to do it, and uh, it's, it's grown greatly in the last three or four years. Uh, they got in touch, uh, somebody put them in touch with our, uh, our kids, uh, our daughter and son-in-law, as I think I told you. Uh, they pastor a church in Philadelphia. God called them to uh, uh, kind of the inner city <laughs> there of uh, uh, Philadelphia, kind of just north of Independence Hall. And, and uh, old Kensington was the old uh, Irish Catholic factory kind of area. And, you know, it's kind of changed over different times in those hundreds of years there in, in Philadelphia. But it's the, it's the oldest part. It's been there. I mean, it's just, it's, <laughs> look at the buildings, uh, been there forever. And uh, in doing that, they really had no funding or anything to do it. The only thing my son-in-law had was a camera, and he started uh, uh, doing video, and uh, did video for different ones, and uh, people kept asking him and to do video, and, and he kept doing it. Uh, and now he's become called, they call him the, the chief storyteller for uh, uh, Philadelphia. Uh, all major companies use them. It's, it's amazing. It's how they, how they fund their church and their ministry. <laughs> is uh, just out of how God has uh, blessed that. But they started doing this, uh, our, our community 
salutes to honor that. And, and so they started doing the video and you can go watch it. It's like a half hour video. It, uh, it uh, premiered, I think, June 22nd and it's being shown different times and they're doing uh, video from all the ceremonies. They actually started doing this during the first time of COVID. And uh, he had to get, uh, if you can imagine, I think it's a 67 piece army band. Uh, they have the uh, plays, you know, for the army song and everything. And uh, when you look at it, you'll see it starts out with that. He took all of those people, get, uh, they sent them iPhones, they all did video, they recorded themselves playing it, and then he uh, uh, pieced them all together, all 67. So it looks like they're all playing together. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he put that video together. He just has this crazy eye that uh, he can see things and do things, and, and you'd never know. But they, they did this celebration again this time. They have uh, uh, Lee Greenwood, who will be on there with his... Uh, uh, God bless the USA, uh, uh, Pete Hedgeth off of Fox and Friends, uh, different ones, you know, that have all served in the military. They, they have uh, different military leaders and, and all who are doing it. And uh, as they, you know, have, uh, have done that, it's given a chance now for these kids, young kids, really to be honored for what they do. And uh, uh, they have a chance out of that. They do a lot of different work now sometimes with the military and uh they had the chance, reason I was uh, laughing that uh, nobody here's Marines, thank goodness. They went to uh, Cherry Point, North Carolina recently and, and did a thing there uh, with uh, uh, some chefs and different ones. And well, it was last Thanksgiving, kind of a big meal for the military there. But whenever my daughter got there, she got this text from whoever Lee was at the Pentagon and said, uh, you know, uh, go to the mail gate and uh, tell them what you're there for and who you're there to see and they'll let you in. So she goes to the front gate and she says, uh, I'm supposed to go to the mail gate. And uh, the Marines are out there front gate says, mail gate, what's mail gate? It says, well, she says, where the mail's delivered. Every base has one, sure. Like, mail gate, mail gate. And they're, they keep, uh, you know, thinking, they get more and more Marines out there. And this keeps going on for 15, 20 minutes. She goes, yeah, I got a cousin who's, uh, was in the military and he does, he's a postmaster general and he works in the mail now. Every base has it, has a mail gate. She convinced these guys they really had a mail gate. The commandant comes out there, and I mean, they're all trying to figure out what and, and uh, where they're supposed to go in. And finally, one says, Can I see that, the text? And then they check what it was, was it was just uh, autocorrect that happens on your phone. It was supposed to say main gate, <laughs> and then it just changed it to, to, to mail gate. But it was, it was great. All these uh, Marines, you know, are, are all searching, trying to find it. And, uh, one of our one of our best friends who's a two-star general. He's on our board for our foundation. Greg is. Greg was Army. He's a two-star general of the Army, retired now. And Greg says, "Hey, that's typical uh, Marines." He says, "Marine stands for muscles are required, intelligence not essential." He said, "As always, I said." He said, "But they're the guys you want to go in and fight whenever it comes to fight." But he said, "You know, uh, we don't we don't pay those guys the thing." But you know, uh, it's a great salute that says, "You know what." Because this is our future. We can look at our past and say, you know, what we have and the freedom we have for the last, probably 200 and, uh, I guess, this is going to be 247 years. So our 250th anniversary will be uh, uh, coming up after that. But, uh, you know, the kids have the privilege to work with a lot and to, to celebrate. And, and the people love it. And the people, you know, everywhere uh, love the fact of, hey, knowing that they're pastors, they they received the citation. They received the thing for the uh, for the police in the last uh, uh, I guess it was a week ago, celebrating those who had uh, served a certain number of years. 
and the mayor and the uh, city council from Philadelphia there uh, gave them a letter of commendation about what they'd done for the city and uh, for that area to, to serve with the police and like that. And you know, wherever God gives you to serve, as I told them, you just be found faithful. You just do it in some way. And yet that's the way to be a testimony because, uh, you know, Elijah, whenever he went there, he came home and it was 2016. He and Ashley came home and they, they were having a short sabbatical uh, one month there. It's actually in, in July back then also. And they were praying. And Elijah says, all I know is God is telling me I need to be in Philadelphia by 2026 because of what things he's going to do spiritually. And I just know that. And I said, whatever. You know, I'm thinking, I love where they were. They were an hour outside of Philadelphia. It's a great little small community. Great place for them to raise my grandkids. Uh, just, you know, it, it, as a grandparent, I love where they were. But it was like, no, we've got to go. And, uh, you know, go they did. I mean, into a, a part of the city that, uh, you know, you, the gunfire, the, uh, you know, the drugs, the different things like that. And I mean, you're just thinking, but somebody's got to go. And it's been incredible how God has blessed them because all he had was a camera. And out of that, they have made a living and made a church and a facility. And, uh, you know, they just recently uh, got a facility uh, last year that now the whole city uses, and especially the, the police departments, the performing arts and schools for graduations, a warehouse. Uh, I went up and did construction for several weeks. Uh, wow. We put 278 gallons of paint on that warehouse. That's a lot of paint. Yeah, it was a while. It was way too much work. Uh, I told Sherry, when I'm, the, when I'm the most skilled person in construction there, and most of them were a bunch of kids out of uh, Temple University there who were just kind of going to church and being a part of it, uh, it's scary <laughs> uh, when I'm, uh, I'm the most skilled. I mean, I learned a lot from working construction around with all of our church and all the construction crews they did. But wherever God puts you at, you're just called to serve. And, you know, for our military, uh, God, God is called and Uncle Sam was called for them to go and serve in, uh, in places all around the world. John Quincy Adams, who was our sixth president, and uh, he, he was one of the people there, the chief architect, they said, of our Constitution. He said the highest glory of the American Revolution was it connected in one indissoluble bond, the principles of civil government with the principles of Christianity. 52 out of the 55 men who were considered the founding fathers were Christians. I mean, we live in a world now that tries to tell us we're not a Christian nation. And maybe we're not becoming that. Or we're a post-Christian nation. Or somehow in being a Christian, uh, you are a horrible person. But America is what it is today because of the people who are willing to sacrifice and because of God's blessing upon this nation. The one thing that they always modelly lived by was we recognize no sovereign but God and no king but Jesus, was their statement to the uh, English government. You know, I love America. Now, there's a lot of things about America I'm not proud of. Uh, I'm not proud of uh, all that's going on with uh, same-sex marriage. Uh, I'm not sure why we feel like we've got to redefine everything that is uh, God-ordained. Yeah. I've told people, if you look in God's Word, you'll see that God ordained the family. 
God ordained the church. God ordained work. He ordained authority, leaders, different things. And you look around, you see that everything is fighting to try to destroy that. Everything we fought against, not only for our nation, but we fought for other nations all around the world. And yet we want to throw that away. I can't believe that uh, recently, in the last couple of weeks, I saw that uh, they had discovered uh, something on Mars, a little bit of bacteria, that is proof that life exists on Mars. And all we know through science about a fetus, we still don't believe that a baby is life to that. I'm like, what kind of a crazy nation do we live in? I don't understand how we can hate one another, the racism that divides us, the politics that divides us. I don't understand that uh, you have to have parental consent if your child is sent to the nurse and ill, and you don't have to have parental consent anymore. Uh, if they want to have an abortion or they want to have gender-affirming care, I'm just like, does anybody ever stop and think about how stupid our world sounds? I mean, we need to care about everybody. But at the same time, the principles that we're trying to espouse. I wish politics weren't so dirty. I wish we really were the United States of America. I wish people would say, I'm here to serve. What's the best thing I can do for my country? In being out of my church and a lot of the work that I've done in around this city, it amazes me uh, about how rampant crime is, how poor our educational system is, bad housing, and I know why, because there's people who can make money off of all that and that's what it's all about. I've told people, you put me in charge, I think I can solve most of the problems pretty quickly. Because I wouldn't be afraid, <laughs> just to say, now true, people might not want me very long, but it'd be like, hey, you know, we need to serve our kids, serve our future generations. Another thing that bothers me, this is a pastor, is that I see church attendance declining. Since COVID, 38% of people who were attending church have not come back. And it's not because of safety protection. I know that may be on certain cases. But for a lot, they've got to be more comfortable watching from home. And that's good whenever you're sick and you can't be there. Or maybe you've gone on vacation and you think, I want to catch up on the service. That's all wonderful. But whenever you say, I don't really need fellowship or with anybody else, there's something wrong with that. And yet we have trained people to just be spectators. And I think that's the number one problem for pastors. Our job isn't to do everything. Sometimes I try. But it really is everybody who has to step up. I'll encourage you this month. I don't know who all is taking care of what are different things. But all of you need to step up. They probably have been. I'm not in church like this and looking around at you all in the age of it. You're all probably the faithful bunch. So I'm preaching to the choir. I know that. But at the same time, as uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews said, encourage one another while it's called today and all the more. All the more. You see the day approaching 
with uh, just the changes that are going on. I just, I, I, I struggle with the things that I see that are going on in our country. And I'm like, what would our founding fathers think? Say, what? Well, are the 1.3 million that have died, not to mention all those who have injured and the, and the trauma and different things they've gone through, what did I do this for? What are y'all doing? See, freedom isn't ever free. And as Christians today, and that was kind of just a big, long introduction that was probably too long. But uh, I want to challenge you today because freedom in Christ isn't free either. There's a responsibility that we have. And I want to give you three quick points here on what freedom requires because of what Christ has done for us, because of who we are in him. And the first one is freedom requires sacrifice. And that's true for those who are in our military and who, are, who have served and who are serving. Uh, they sacrifice. Uh, Greg has told me that realistically, young people, uh, Greg, uh, our friend who's uh, retired two-star general, and talking to young people is that, you know what? You, uh, you're writing a check here whenever you enter that says, I will give everything to protect the Constitution, to protect my loved ones, to protect my country, to protect my fellow soldier. And that check I'm writing is all the way up, full payment, even to death. And I see those nodding who, military, you know what that was, that you made that kind of a, a commitment and sacrifice. And you know, we need to realize because of what Christ has done for us, we're committing you know, we don't work at uh, our salvation, I mean, as far as working it, you know, to be saved. But we do have a responsibility in what kind of people we're called to be because of what Christ has done for us. In Romans 5, 6 through 8, Paul writes there, he says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In 1 Peter 1, 18, 19, Peter writes, he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, See, Jesus was our sacrifice. But whenever we ask him to be our Lord and Savior, we are making a commitment. They're saying, we will sacrifice ourselves, our selfishness, our wants, our desires, for the good of the kingdom of God, for others. That's truly what we do. And you know what? There are some great soldiers of the faith. You know I was reading your story back there, and uh, some of those names I know from uh, uh, former pastors of this church. Uh, some I knew, a couple of them from camp. Uh, this uh, section up here used to be in the same one that we went to for Versailles. Somehow we got divided off, and we're kind of with what was the Kansas City side, then St. Louis side, to get the Cape Girardeau kind of quadrant, you get the, the Springfield kind of quadrant. And so I knew some of those names, and, and some of them even as, uh, as counselors. And probably a lot, you may not have even read that or looked at it. But you know, they were heroes of the faith, people who were just faithful. 
Now, there are people who sacrificed to start a church, to build a church there in the heart on, on Campbell, to has a vision to buy, to build here, and then now to do different building programs as I was reading of what it went through. Who, who sacrificed, who gave? You know, I was looking at the cost of what the, what the money was. And people who gave financially to get it done. And now they've entrusted it into your hands. And uh, some of you have been here a long time. How have been here 10 years or more? There's a hand, 10 years or more. 20 years or more. There, there. 30 years or more. 40 years or more. Yeah, about that time. See, your responsibility is to really entrust it to the next generation. That's true. And, uh, you know, because that's what it is. I remember we were doing a construction uh, team one time, and for the decade of hearts, we were building one of the first, of the, I think it was 5,000 churches they wanted to build at that time. And we were doing it on an Indian reservation up in Mobridge, South Dakota. We'd taken our, our guys up there, and it was just a simple 40 by 80 building. We'd already had the slab poured. And uh, our job was to uh, try to bring it out of the ground. And we had enough, uh, enough people working that we had two crews that do 12 hours each. And we worked around the clock. And uh, we'd pull in there. And uh, our goal was within six days to be able to bring that out of the ground, get it done, walk away, and they could have church on Sunday. And uh, the guys, they would work hard. And I still remember Wednesday night, our guys were out there working. Instead of going to the Bible study with uh, uh, this, uh, the pastor there. And uh, back at the Indian Reservation. And he goes out there afterwards and he is just hot. He says, I cannot believe you would not all come to hear me speak. And, uh, you know, uh, he just took himself a little too serious. And uh, one of the, the grizzled construction guys that we had that, uh, you know, bordered on, uh, uh, he needed, <laughs> it was a good thing Christ was at work in his life. You ever been around those construction people that they're just kind of, <laughs> not quite sure? All of a sudden, this guy just unloads on this pastor. And he says, buddy, I need you to know something. He says, I'm giving my week here to build a church that people are going to get saved in, people are going to get filled with the Holy Spirit in, people are going to get married in, have their kids, be dedicated and all like that. I'm not building a church to your glory. I'm building to God's. So I suggest you get out of here right now and leave us alone, or you may become a foundation of this church. <laughs> and you know, I'm sitting there trying to like, Bill, you <laughs> But at the same time, you know what? That guy kind of needed to hear it uh, in there as far as in the part of what, you, of what we were doing. You know, freedom requires that sacrifice. Everybody's called to sacrifice and give something, whatever you can give. And uh, you know what? There's the people who will be in heaven because of your sacrifice here, what you're doing and your faithfulness. See, sometimes we often say, well, I didn't get much out of that service today. Or, you know what, that just didn't speak to me. Or, I just don't like our church anymore. I, I get amazed at crazy things I hear out of people and all like that. I'm thinking, I'm not sure God really cares about your opinion and for everything. This isn't about you. He gave the ultimate of giving his son. You know what, I think he expects out of us a walk of faithfulness too. So freedom not require sacrifice. Freedom requires also surrender is a second word if you're writing something down. That surrender in there to God's will and God's plan. See, as I said, I love history. I want to read to you from 1863, whenever uh, President Abraham Lincoln, he designated uh, April 30th 
as a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. Okay? Uh, a national day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer for our country, what it had done, what it had become, and, and how we treated others. And here's a little portion out of it. He says, It is the duty of nations as well as of men who owe their dependence upon the overruling power of God to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by a history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. The awful calamity of the Civil War, which now desolates the land, may be put a punishment of it, Maybe but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming, preserving grace. Too proud to pray to God, to the God that made us, we have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has grown, but we have forgotten God. If he wrote that in 1863 in the middle of the Civil War, I'm thinking, well, what would he say today? We've become intoxicated with our own success, our own accomplishments. We forgot to thank God. Greatest sin may be a lack of gratitude. Maybe that we forget. Deuteronomy. 6.12 says, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You know, you read, and uh, it starts in uh, Judges there. It's just a generation later. And it says, But a generation grew up that had forgot all of what God had done. It's easy to quickly forget God's blessings. We need regularly to look back. And to be thankful for what God has done in our lives and what he's been faithful in. Because we are under his submission to him, his authority. You know, even though we go through tough times in our lives, God hasn't left us. He may be working in our lives. He may be challenging us to draw closer. He may be showing us something. Or may he may be just showing others your faithfulness by you going through testing. See, we're simply called to be faithful. For those who have served in the military, I know you understand what that is. You understand what it is to have authority and uh, have someone authority over you. And you take orders, and if you're in a certain position, you give orders. But everybody answers to those. And we need to recognize as Christians, our responsibility is to be faithful to God's Word and to listen to the Holy Spirit and do whatever they tell us to do and be found faithful in there. Because our freedom in Christ isn't that we can do anything we want to do. Our freedom is that we now have the ability to do all we want to do through Christ, who gives us strength. All that he asks of us through Christ, who gives us strength. And the last one, freedom requires service. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Paul says, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. As I said, failing to be thankful, failing to stop and be grateful, you know, why do we give thanks over a meal? Because it's a simple thing that says, if God doesn't bless, 
I can lose even this. I can have nothing. Greatest sin is that of ungratefulness, of knowing what God has done for us, knowing what others have been faithful, and just forgetting it. Not taking time to be thankful. You know, it's sad the way our military has been treated over the last, really, a majority of my lifetime. But those that came home first from the Vietnam War, from some of the other wars, and just through, uh, well, not only things that were shouted to them, but things that were just, <laughs> uh, nobody wanted them. Nobody wanted them around. Uh, it's amazing that we have so taken for granted that what we have as a nation, we have because of what we've done, instead of because of what Christ has done and what our military has done. I mean, we need to recognize we live as a blessed nation because of God's protection Amen. and the protection of our military. Amen. And every time you see somebody who served or you see a soldier in uniform, okay, as I say, uh, that's where I'm really proud of the kids as they put that together, the uh, our community salutes to recognize around all 50 states country is those young men and women who are making that uh, commitment to it could be the ultimate sacrifice but saying instead of going and trying to get a degree of how much money I can make I'm going to go and serve my country and make sure that it continues to live free see freedom requires that we serve in Ephesians 2 8 through 10 Paul says, For as by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, God is calling us to serve. And one of the things that sometimes hinders our service is because Satan may tell us, Well, you're not good enough. Or, you know, why should you all be up here on the worship team? Are you better than anybody else? Are you really the ones to lead? I mean, you know, that's what Satan will whisper to us. Although we can't do it. But God just calls us to be faithful. Do you know God never called us to be fruitful? He's the one that produces the fruitfulness. God just calls us to be faithful. To be faithful. And so back to where I started at there, these three things that through the writings of Paul, as you'll see there, is that, uh, God, uh, that freedom requires sacrifice. Freedom requires surrender to God's will, not to ours. And freedom requires service. The scripture Paul writes there in the end of Romans 7, he says, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. So I find this, work, uh, this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law working me, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he starts into that transitional phrase, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, he looked at who he had been, and whenever he would write and say, I was the chief of all sinners, what he'd done against the church and against the cause of Christ, Paul recognized and totally understood. And he said, I'm a wretched man. 
And he's written that all the way through here in Romans. One up about all the sinfulness going on in Romans 1 and the, the sin and how people can know the truth about God. Just even what they would see through creation. If nobody ever preached to them, they could see that there is a God. And he builds all the way through that. Chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Comes to 7 and begins to look at himself. He says, what a wretched person I am. I mean, this is written towards the end when everybody would say, man, the hero of the faith. What a man of faith was. What a, what a church planner. What an evangelist. Just go anywhere for God. He said, what a horrible person I am. Because what I don't want to do, I end up doing, and what I ought to do, I don't do. He takes a real look inside himself and he says, but wait a minute. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Well, there's conviction. See, I, I'm thankful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for the conviction of the Scripture because it challenges me to back, uh, live right, to be back on the right path. But I'm glad there's no condemnation. See, to help understand this word condemn, it really is a word used of judgment. It's, it's, it's like in a trial, whenever the judge condemns a man to death or condemns a man to go to serve 40 years or condemns everybody. This was condemnation. It's about a judgment. And we had a judgment on our lives. But he says, you know what? There is no judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation there. We're all sinners condemned to an eternal hell. But for Jesus Christ. We all deserve it. But for Jesus Christ. See, I love whenever Paul will put those little words in there, whether it's but, therefore, whatever he says, man, I can think all this way, but then I realize, wait a minute, what does it mean to have Christ in our lives? And you know what? We need to know that if it's young, fairly new in faith, or the oldest. I was telling Becca before uh, service, we, uh, we spoke at a church last Sunday, filling in for a, uh, a young pastor there, it's kind of a, a church that was a, a combination, I don't know, they got down to about 1520 and another uh, Pentecostal church that maybe had 1520 and these two kind of merged together and, and got the facility and, and uh, you know, just muddling along for a year or two in there. And uh, then about maybe three months ago, uh, there was this group that was doing a Bible study for prisoners and people who come out of prison and uh, as gang members and different things. They just asked if they could use the facility. They're having it out in the park. And, uh, you know, with weather back, so I guess it may be a little bit more back in winter. If they could use the church building there, somebody just touched it. Uh, pastor was like, yeah, well, we'll talk to them, see. And, and so they decided to let them. And then uh, they started coming to church. And, uh, and we're, we're in church last Sunday. And we're sitting over on this side. And uh, just the... Uh, the people just keep coming in and there's like a front door there they were coming in and uh you know there's a bit of service going on there's kids all over the place ended up being probably about 100 people there this time and uh these guys were all former gang members healers prisoners one guy had uh been uh, uh been the leader of uh, satan's disciples had just spent 31 years in prison and uh man they are passionately worshiping and the kids are all over the place. And some of the older ones came over to Sherry and said, I'm really sorry for the way these kids are acting. They just don't know how y'all act in church. 
and these people, they don't all know how, to, how they should act. And she said, I think this is the way God's church ought to look. Yeah. It was just raw passion. Yeah. And you know, uh, the things we saw on these, these kids, uh, well, say kids, they're kids to me, but they were in their 30s, 40s, some 50, because of the time they'd uh, spend in prison as I was figuring out. They're just, they're just worshiping God going on. And they're quoting scripture like I don't quote scripture. And all they're spending their time is just on the goodness of God and who that he is. And they're sharing with others. And there were three people who came down and gave their hearts to the Lord uh, whenever I asked for the altar call. And I was just, you know, kind of a shock because typically you ask and nobody said anything. I mean, they're there. And uh, during that prayer time, and another lady came down just to be prayed for who was in a wheelchair, older lady. Had to be 75, 80. I don't know how old she was. Uh, I'm 67, so she looked a lot older than me. So uh, it was just like, and see this other kid that went over there who was a cripple who, because of uh, gun violence, that he's in a wheelchair and just going over there and just praying with her and hugging her and all the gang members around. And just and it was just like, Sherry and I went and said, I think this is what God wanted the kingdom of God to look like. We're so worried. Does it all look perfect? And uh, asked that. And, then, and just seeing the passion there. And then we went out afterwards and they said, hey, can you come out and see with us? And we got one of the guys they just filled up a stock tank out in the backyard with water, cold water, and uh, uh, just baptized him <laughs> right there. And I just thought, wow, you know, wasn't any pastor baptized him? Didn't have any seminary degree or anything like that. Just another gang member <laughs> baptizing this gang member. And it's like, wow. What I'm saying to you is, you know what? We all stand the same at the foot of the cross. I don't care who we've been or what we've done for Christ. And I was reminded of that as I'm watching, and I thought, Lord, forgive me. And sometimes I've lost my passion. Sometimes I forgot how blessed I am. Sometimes I forget the privileges that you've given to me. And the privilege of even being not only a Christian, but the nation that I live in and the freedom that I have because of it, and how I get to share, what I get to do. Lord, forgive me. And I'm just thankful for how God has blessed me. I'm thankful for a lot of things. I mean, you're, go ahead. You know, there's an old song. We're doing hymns today, and I loved it, Becca. Uh, uh, there's one I love is Count Your Blessings. <laughs> Name them one by one. <laughs> Count the many things. See what God has done. Amen. You ever stop and think about that? I mean, I think, you know, I'm number 11 out of 15 kids. Why my parents would have that many kids, I'll never know. But I'm thankful they had at least 11. You know? There's times my dad used to get mad at me and say, you don't know how much I wish I'd have named the 10th one enough. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, probably had good reason. But that, the chance I had to go to church every day from the time I was born. I don't have a testimony like all those guys I was with last week. I've never done drugs. I've never smoked, I've never drank. I just haven't had, I haven't had any desire. And you know what? I think, Lord, I'm thankful. I may not have much of a testimony as far as great testimony out there, but I've got a testimony because I still remember whenever I was 15 and giving my heart to the Lord and realizing I really needed a Savior. I did all the things right, but that day I realized keeping the law didn't count for anything. Christ. I realized how God is blessed. And this morning, I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask Becca, Sam, worship guys, if you'd come back, 
I want to sing that song again because I'm going to lead us in a prayer, first of all, for each of you. And then when we come back, we're going to pray for our nation. So I'm going to ask if you would just to stand with me. And uh, I want to pray for you. Just stand up. And, uh, you know, I just want to encourage you that God loves you. That God's not done with you. That God's got a plan for your life. That uh, he really does want to give you a hope and a future out there. And he wants you to be found faithful. And my prayer is that you will have the vision to look out into the future and start to see whatever kids, some of the kids I saw here the last week, and I saw kids that are going to go to church camp, but I know they're off gone this week with a lot of things, you know, on the fourth and all like that. But just to invest in their lives. Yes. And take time to encourage them. Speak to them, because you don't know who you're going to be speaking hope to, encouragement to. Heavenly Father, would you bless church family here? Lord, bless Pastor Denny and Pat and Sarah Way. Just give them a time of refreshing, a renewal. Lord, bless all of your church family, those that are here, those that are gone. Lord, I ask that you would, uh, for all of us, don't let us forget. Remind us of what you've done for us in faithfulness. Lord, thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for the opportunity to know you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, to live in America, a nation that you have truly put your hand of blessing upon to impact others. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities we've had to reach out and minister to others. So Lord, I just pray that blessing upon this church and blessing as we go out this week a little while to really make a difference. Everybody we meet to encourage and to strengthen. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen.